Hello, Red Pill Empaths and Truth Seekers. We are back reading the Jeff Berwick's book on the controlled demolition of the USA empire. We are at the identifying the support columns part, specifically toward the end of the military information terror complex. Little drum roll here. What if the rules were reversed? Would the United States submit to the laws of other countries on American soil? Of course not. The mere thought of it is preposterous. But the United States expects Iraqis in Iraq to obey the American interpretation of laws enforced by armed US troops. It's like when we have an argument with non-vegans and they try and defend being non-vegan and saying that taking someone else's life is their personal choice. You're taking someone else's life, it's not yours to take. There's no logic there, right? And then they tell you that when you talk down to non-vegans, you basically say, well, non-vegans are addicts with a superiority complex. And in their mind, you're talking down to them because, you know, you want to walk this high superiority. Uh, no, uh, that's not how it is, but that's how the perpetrator feels of the harm, which is the non-vegan. So I have to respect your opinion, you call this thing that you do, of paying someone to hurt and kill other beings, and or sometimes you do it yourself when you're less cowardish, and you want me to respect this opinion, quote-unquote. It's not an opinion, it's an action. You're actually taking someone else's life. Mine is an opinion where I tell you what you're doing is wrong. So you get more offended by the fact that I'm telling you that you get, you're getting it wrong than the fact that you're actually taking a life. And this is the logic. There is no logic. And it's the same thing here. So it's just... It starts from the small and it goes to the big. And as you can see, it's the same kind of, you know, paradigm or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it's the same kind of shape. It's the same kind of program. It's the same kind of everything, basically. So anyway, over the years, the image of America has transformed from being the helpful public servant looking out for their community into the cop that pulls someone over for no reason, slowly walks around their car, shining his flashlight inside to see if there is anything worth taking. It has become painfully obvious that the American government plays the role of the police officer for the rest of the world, but they decided to base their character on Harvey Kittle's role in Bad Lieutenant instead of an Andy Griffith from Mayberry. The very thin blue line. It is not to say that all police officers are maniacs and psychopaths, but it is fair to mention that just because they have made the decision to devote their professional lives to enforcing the laws, 
they do not always follow them themselves. Some laws are illogical, immoral, outdated, overbearing, contradictory, Orwellian, bizarre, unconstitutional, or just plain stupid. Nobody follows all the laws, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing. These are not the laws that concern citizens with regard to the law-breaking by those in positions to enforce the laws. The Free Thought Project's 2016 study found that an average 21 police officers are arrested and charged with actual crimes each week. 21, odd number? Hmm. With many of the charges for sex crimes and sexual abuse, including, but not limited to, forcible rape, statutory rape, sodomy, and pedophilia-related crimes against children. But according to non-vegans, if you do these two other species, it's okay, right? Or if you do it for survival. <laughs> there is no logic. A seven-year study that was reported on by the Washington Post showed that of the police officer charged with sexual crimes, four out of five of the officers that were charged were actually found guilty of their crimes. These crimes included 422 for forcible and statutory rape, 352 cases involving forcible fondling, and 94 sodomy cases. According to the study, sexual misconduct is the second leading complaint field against officers. Wow, eh? With just under a thousand police officers losing their jobs for committing sexual assaults like rape, child pornography, peeping tom behavior, having sex while on duty, sending texts or email to underage victims, and the always popular cop fantasy of being forced to perform sex acts in order to avoid being arrested. When one expands their perception of these crimes to include all of the countless crimes that go unreported due to intimidation, previous criminal background of the victim, the fear of not being believed, and the very real possibility of future retaliation, it is easy to understand that these figures do not nearly reflect the actual number of crimes being committed by those in positions of power. The criminal behavior of those tasked to protect the public acts to erode the confidence of the people and chip away at the pillars of law and order that hold civil society up. People expect a portion of the public to be criminals and defective human beings, but they falsely assume that those that have made the decision to educate, train, and devote themselves to serving and protecting the public will actually hold up their end of the bargain. One dirty cop is far more damaging than a hundred convicted criminals 
because of the psychological effect that it has on the public and the realization that just because a person is wearing a badge, it does not mean that they are the good guy. Just like just because a person got the stupid degrees doesn't mean they know what the fuck they're doing or that they're trying to help you. Open your eyes, people. It's really, really important that you do that. The frustration of the citizens is compounded by the fact that their taxes fund these police organizations and they feel as if their own tax dollars are being used to fund people that are actively working against their own best interests, which is true. This contributes to the hollowing out of America because the rule of law has been turned against the people, a sign that always seems to precede the end of an empire. And that's very true. By the way, the police have no legal requirement to protect the public. They are actually there to protect the political class and its extortion racket called the IRS. Just like when Trudeau, you know, pledged his allegiance to the Queen of England because Canada is a corporation owned by England and there is no constitution. And most people don't know this, don't realize this, didn't pay attention to this. But when we became citizens, we had to pay allegiance to her and my question was, if she's not anymore, you know, a leader or anything here, why do we have to do this? Oh, it's just for, you know. So as far as I'm concerned, all of this stuff is illegal because it's all based on false information. If you make a deal with someone who is lying to you, it's, there is no deal because you're lying. <laughs> with asset for future laws in the U.S. now, they are actually by far the biggest thieves by a large margin. The Fear and Death Administration, FDA, the freedom one has over their own body should never be given up under any circumstance. If the government takes the right to make decisions about a citizen's body, that is the equivalent of handing their life over to the state. One cannot expect the state to have the same sense of urgency that others would have about maintaining their health. The state is reckless and operates without much oversight, which is a very dangerous group to hand one's life over to. And history is littered with examples of the government treating their citizens has been essentially disposable, even their own history, you know. Although the push for wars is one of the more dangerous aspects of the current news configuration, the mainstream media does not only shield for the military information terror complex, they war themselves for the big pharma, <laughs> yeah, no crap, <laughs> they whore themselves like the big, for the big pharma. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to read it again. Like their financial lives depend on it, because they do. It's true. Watching a 30-minute episode of the national nightly news, it's all the research one needs to do in order to fully understand how the media and big pharma work together. 
How many commercials were for prescription medicine manufactured by pharmaceutical companies? The number is usually around 50%. Yeah, that was always my point. You always see that, those lies on TV, right? And they allow those. Americans make an assumption that if they see a drug being advertised on television, that is safe. Not just because the company that made the drug had to have it tested and approved by the Food and Drug Administration, which we all know is very corrupted, but also because it is being advertised on national television. So therefore, it must be safe or else it would not be market, marketed pardon me, to everyone. <laughs> it is an extremely dangerous assumption and one that is based on the presumption that there is an additional layer of protection created by the mainstream media vetting the products before allowing them to be sold during their commercial breaks. <laughs> there is no additional protective layer and just because they made a commercial for a new medicine that does not mean it is safe. Hell, just listen to the long list of side effects that they have to disclose during the commercial. Having FDA approval does not mean that the drug is safe or effective. It only means that the FDA has approved taking money from the company that is making these drugs. That's right. The FDA would probably approve crack cooking if they could somehow convince the CIA to give them a portion of their profits. <laughs> oh God, you're so funny. And yes, and yes, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Americans also assume that advertising prescription drugs on television is normal, but only the United States and New Zealand allow these forms of medicine to be hot to unsuspecting consumers through the hypnotic flicker of television programming. It seems that the unintentional humor associated with the long list of side effects does not even prevent people from lining up to ask their doctor if some new drug that has not even been tested on prisoners is right for them. The media in America has convinced the people that there is a pill to cure everything. And if it does not exist yet, just wait and it will be available shortly after they fast track it through testing. That's right. There is a blind assumption that if a medicine is to the point of advertising on television, it must have been fully tested and certified as safe and effective. Otherwise, the manufacturer would not spend the money to market it to the general public. Hey, so those who censor, right, and are so worried about censoring, making sure the information is true, apparently they're not censoring that much when it comes to censoring stuff that is truly to protect the public. Come on, it's pretty funny, don't you find? Now, I knew this for a long time ago, but how many of you knew this, right? How many of the sheep know this? And I know a lot of people with PhDs in Western shit care who believe in this shit, and I don't know if they're just acting all the way. I think some of them are not. Like, they seem honestly sincere, and when I'm next to them, I feel that they believe in this bullshit. They're like truly brainwashed. It's unbelievable. 
History is filled with medicines that were later recalled or had class actions lawsuits against them because the product was killing people left, right, and center. If you read The Genie in Your Genes by Dr. Dawson Church, it's available on Amazon. It's one of those books that truly cover this, you know, very well. These drugs slipped through FDA testing without being flagged as deadly, which makes people wonder what exactly the FDA is doing with all of the taxpayer money they siphon off each year. Interesting fact about the FDA. Oh, this would be good. On average, it takes about 12 years to get a drug from the research phase to the patient. Yeah, um, yeah. According to Dawson Church, it takes like 17 years to get, uh, for example, new technologies into hospitals. So when you think you're getting the latest technology, you're getting technology from 17 years ago, 1-7. This is apparently from what they say. In 1988, the FDA formalized its fast-track designation. In 1992, the FDA rolled out the approval process to allow drugs to go ahead if they are intended to treat a serious illness. Oh, God. The majority of these drugs were trialed in a thousand or fewer patients to get FDA approval. In 2009, there were 1,742 different drugs that were recalled. According to the Journal of the American Medical Association, between 2001 and 2010, one out of every three drugs that made it to the market had a safety-related issues. My dad was on 15 or something like that drugs, and a lot of them were trials. And when he read what he was taking, because he, he had heart failure, and so his heart was working at 30-40%. And um, basically for 10 months he was on these shitty drugs, and then one day he read the side effects, and he decided to stop taking them up. Two weeks later he had a major heart attack, because you cannot just come off of them in that way. Um, an experienced doctor who knows about those horrible chemicals and who knows about natural stuff, like someone like Dr. Robert Morris was someone who is really, really, you know, um, versed with all the medical, like Western medicine, shit care stuff. They can help you get off of it, but it's not something you want to do just like that. And my dad was just like, he was tired of living because he couldn't breathe and he was just done. But it was a horrible, horrible thing to see. And they did this. And yes, granted, he never listened to me, but, you know, would you listen to your daughter when all these other people around you who supposedly know more, you know, in your head because you're being brainwashed? And plus, I couldn't have helped him in the same way back then because I didn't know all the things that I know now anyway, so... And I'm his daughter, so I wasn't meant to help him. I was meant to go through the loss and learn a lesson. And boy, it was hard. If you're a healer for real, you don't care about being the real best healers. You don't care about any of them. What you care about is helping people, is helping 
people, animals, anyone, plants. So the biggest lesson all of us have to learn is that we cannot heal anybody. We, we are only helping them relax and then they'll heal. But if it's not meant to be, it will not be. And that's the hardest lesson to learn. And when he died, even though I kept doing healing and I kept, you know, doing a lot of stuff, but I almost gave up at some point because I was really, I had this constant thought, oh, I'm so shitty, I couldn't even save my dad. Because <laughs> I was learning that really hard lesson. So, if you have gone through it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't yet, maybe you won't. But think about this kind of stuff, even if you haven't gone through. Because a lot of times when people are looking for people who are truly there to help them, it's not the people who tell you the best story. It's not the people who look the best necessarily or the richest, or who know how to speak properly, or any of that, it's usually the little things that show you how much they truly care and that they're heart-based. And that is far more important than anything else out there. Moving on. Well, here, I'll do a drum roll first. Mental illness-related drugs that were fast-tracked through the approval process had a much higher number of safety events. Some drugs that were fast-tracked had a large number of adverse events that required additional warning labels. Many of the fast-tracked drugs are not first-in-class and are less innovative. In 2011, 10 million people suffered a serious injury due to medical error in America. That's a lot, 10 million. Out of those 10 million injuries, 2 million to 4 million of these were caused by prescription drug use. Do you understand that? 2 million to 4 million? The Center for Disease Control is not required to disclose the number of deaths caused by the medical industry, but that does not mean that those figures are not available through other channels. The third leading cause of death in the United States is the American medical system, with a total of 225,000 deaths per year. I think that's pretty big if you think about it, right? I mean, wow, how many deaths did we have for Corona hoax virus? Uh-huh. They never stopped the world for this, right? We have been saying it for a long time, by the way. <laughs> it's insane. Every two years, more Americans die from their broken medical system than died in all of 
World War II. Every two years, guys. The people that live in America in 2017 are 24.5 times more likely to die from a doctor than from a gun. Did you know that? They're calling, they're talking about, you know, all those doctors you think are so great because they went to school for 12 years or 20 years. Those specializations. <laughs> Every year, 106,000 Americans die as a result of FDA-approved medical drugs having an adverse effect. Do you understand these numbers or what, people? In 2017, there were 80,000 deaths from infections contracted in American hospitals. Another 20,000 people died because of hospital errors, as well as another 7,000 deaths per year due to errors with hospital medications. But don't worry. That's okay, because if they do it, it's okay. But if people like naturopaths or people who are really trying to help, like Dr. Robert Morse made a mistake like that, <laughs> then there will be hell to pay because they use a double standard and it's always at their own advantage. <laughs> Been saying this for 40 years, four zero, just so you know. In an average year, 12,000 more deaths were caused has a direct result of unnecessary surgeries. Were you aware of this? Of course not, because they don't come and tell you this stuff, because they know best. They don't even have to disclose how many people die. Hey, we are the people, we have the right to know everything that goes on, especially when it's people who work for us because it's our tax dollars that pay for them, right? Get it straight, people, learn what is important. Marketing disease to sell the cure. GlaxoSmithKline hired the public relations firm Kahn and Wolf to help them create a market for a drug they had, but no disease for it to cure. Over a two-year period, they set about inventing a new phobia that they called social anxiety disorder. A term was only referenced a total of 50 different times during the two prior years. By pushing the fake concept of social anxiety disorder in every possible direction they could, the PR company ended up creating a billion references in the press, culminating with the advertising campaign in 1999 called Imagine Being Allergic to People. I know vegans who are. <laughs> they hate non-vegans. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, maybe they wouldn't call them people. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yes, I'm making a joke. Madison Avenue has jumped into the disease manufacturing business because there is a ton of money in it for them. For every dollar Big Pharma spends on direct-to-consumer marketing, such as amazing advertisements and television commercials, they collect $4.20 in revenue. Interesting, 420, like marijuana code, right? <laughs> I'm 
sorry, but are those numbers really just a case? No, 42 is a big number, right? In Jamatra, I'm pretty sure. This is a massive payoff for the pharma company. The public relations firms create these products that sell themselves. So they take a nice chunk of this money. And the television networks and magazine platforms are still in business in large part because of the advertising dollars they collect from hawking prescription medicine. And I bet many people really don't know this stuff. The biggest bang for their bucks comes through spending marketing dollars, not research and development dollars. As consumers and users of their products, it will be better for the public if they place a larger focus on the science behind their medicine instead of the science of public relations. But once the MDs were replaced by the MBAs, the focus shifted away from the well-being of the patient to the bottom line. Yeah, no kidding. So we're going to move on in the next uh, episode because we're coming to the end of the time here. And we are right now at 49%, so we're almost there, guys. Thank you for bearing along. Mm -hmm.